everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Titan Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and how's it going? I'm a little bit scattered right now. Corey's going out of town in a couple of weeks, so we've been doubling up on some of the recording. Also, I just got an unexpected promotion at work, which is dope, but, well, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Now, did I have to make myself a crown? In a certain sense, yes, because they didn't have one already, which seems negligent to me. Kind of thing I'm going to have to start taking care of now. I mean, technically the job I got is not king, but you know what they say, dress for the job you want, not for the job that you have. I guess in retrospect, if I was doing it all over again, probably wouldn't have made the crown out of lead this time. That leads to the heaviness and... Also the lead poisoning, which is another reason I'm a little bit scattered right now. But you don't need to hear all this shop talk. Tell you what, without any further ado, let's do this. We've been getting a ton of great synopsis rhyme submissions lately. This one comes from Josh Bickford. Though the news these days may be quite noxious, I can always find a laugh in Hub Synopsis. Thanks, Josh. Glad to hear it. New Teen Titans, number 17. March 1982. The Possession of Francis Kane. Written by Marv Wolfman, drawn by George Perez, with inks by Romeo Tangal. Teen Titan Roll Call. Kid Flash. Wonder Girl. Robin. Raven. Beast Boy. Cyborg. Kid Flash, aka Wally West, is zooming around his hometown of Blue Valley. He's having a pretty good day and is stoked on his powers. Turns out, one of the main benefits of super speed is being able to sleep in a little and still not be late for your classes at the imaginatively named Blue Valley College. Huh. Maybe if I had super speed, I wouldn't have missed so many of my classes freshman year. Ah, who am I kidding? Super speed wouldn't have made the prices right not be on at the same time as my sociology class. And I think we both know which of those options taught me more about the human condition. And the price of laundry detergent. Anyway... Wally is ruminating about the fact that he's been really half-assing his secret identity for a few years and nobody really seems to notice when he bumps into his old buddy Francis Kane. You know, from the title of this issue. Wally offers to help Francis study, seeing as she's missed a bunch of classes lately. I hear you, Fran. What if today's the day when a contestant's bid is within $250 without going over and they win both showcases? You don't want to miss that. Oh, what's that? She was in a horrific car accident that killed both her brother and her father. Yeah, well, I guess that's also a valid reason for missing school. Wally suggests that after school they go and study over at Fran's place. She's not crazy about that idea, pointing out that her mom's been kinda... That's as far as she gets, because Wally interrupts her and tells her it'll be fine. Yeah, because you know more about her family life than she does, Wally. Man, being man of the house has really gone to that guy's head. On their way to the study date, Fran shares that ever since the accident, her mom's been acting weird and has been into seances and trying to contact the dead. I guess that's kind of natural, people grieve in different ways. So she's got some crystals or something and has gotten more into spirituality. Yeah, not so much. When the teens arrive at the Kane residence, Wally sees that Mrs. Kane has opted to go more the kneeling in the middle of a pentagram surrounded by candles wearing satanic robes and chanting direction. Okay. The Elder Kane insists that Fran puts on her Satan robes and join her in the pentagram immediately. Francis reluctantly agrees. Hey, good call on insisting on studying over at her place, Wally. The Kanes start chanting and suddenly everything goes bonkers. 
The house starts shaking and furniture and appliances start flying all over the room. Mrs. Kane gets KO'd by a lamp to the head, and Fran is in some kind of a fugue state. Wally runs around and swats the flying housewares down in an attempt to keep the canes from sustaining any further damage. The junior Wizard of Wiz is sure of two things about this unsettling airborne appliance phenomenon. One, it sucks. And B, it definitely has absolutely nothing to do with the quasi-satanic ritual that it interrupted. Really, Wally? You know, there's a fine line between healthy skepticism and being a fucking idiot, and I think you may have just crossed it, like a few miles ago. After a few minutes, Fran snaps out of it, and her mom wakes up. Mrs. Kane yells at her daughter, blames her for the rest of the family's death, says that she's evil, she should die, and that she's going to be damned to hell when she does. Wow. But, you know, Mrs. West probably would have trotted out some embarrassing baby photos of Wally, so once again, great call, Wally. The teen speedster decides that this sort of shit is really more up his teammate-slash-complicated-romantic-interest Raven's alley, so one week later, the two titans head back to the cane house. They get pretty much a repeat performance. This time, Raven turns into her astral bird form and helps divert the flying detritus. Her finely-tuned mystical senses reveal that something weird is going on. Thank goodness you were here, Raven. Mrs. Kane continues her campaign for Mother of the Year by once again insisting that her daughter is evil and should be killed. Pretty judgmental for a lady who was crouched chanting in a pentagram a couple of minutes ago. We cut to a couple of weeks later. The Titans have taken Francis and her shitty mom to a hospital and have been subjecting Fran to a probably literal buttload of invasive tests. The results of the tests are inconclusive, but do reveal two potentially pertinent pieces of information. One, Francis Kane is anemic. Of course, I get it now. Not having the iron in her blood that would normally protect her from the magical influence of creatures of the Fae has probably made her more susceptible to possession by the fair folk. It's so obvious. Okay, that's probably not it, but I think I did just come up with a premise for a series of urban fantasy novels. Or at least a new way to scare kids into eating healthy food. Now, I know you don't like it, Olivia, but if you don't eat your spinach, you'll be especially vulnerable to goblins and the Earl King. Kids are still scared of the Earl King, right? I mean, they should be. Guy's scary. Anyway, the anemia thing is likely irrelevant, and probably just because Fran has such a shitty mom who doesn't care if she eats her leafy greens. Likely, the more pertinent fact is that Fran's brain has an extra high magnetic reading. Huh. Okay. As if on cue... Fran demonstrates that her brain is chock full of magnets by once again going into a weird, possessed fugue state. In most respects, this bout of involuntary telekinesis is much like the previous two. Shit starts flying around, everybody freaks out, Mrs. Kane acts like a total asshole. The main differences are mostly in the levels of intensity. Bigger shit flies around faster, and Fran's mom begs Satan to kill her daughter. And then, figuring her buddy Satan could use an assist, she grabs a scalpel and tries to stab Fran. Wally manages to restrain her, but still, shitty. Also, the gang notices that everything that's getting tossed around the room seems to be made out of metal. Hmm, probably on account of those extra brain magnets she's got kicking around up there. Also, starting to take shape in the air surrounding the young Mrs. Kane during the episode is a weird horned image made out of pink crackling energy. That's probably nothing. After a few minutes, Fran snaps out of it and everything settles down a bit. Fran's mom keeps being a real prick and storms out of the room, disowning her tearful daughter as she does so. During the maelstrom, Cyborg, who being, well, a cyborg, has more than a few metal parts, was getting smacked around the room something fierce, 
So Raven turned into her giant astral bird self and transported him to the soul plane that she sometimes goes to. I mean, not like soul plane the movie, but the weird shadow realm where her bird self can go. When Vic returns from the soul plane, he's pretty shook up and says, I don't ever want to go through that again. Huh, that was actually pretty close to my reaction while watching Soul Plane. Tom Arnold. <sighs> anyway, Vic has an idea and runs off to visit his buddies at Star Labs to work on something. A couple days later, the gang is back at the Titans Tower running some more tests on Fran. Good call, guys. Who needs doctors and hospitals when you've got precocious teens with trust funds? Fran thanks Wally for his help and tells her that she figured out his secret identity years ago. Seems like maybe Wally could use some pointers from the Master of Disguise, Princess Coriander, but unfortunately, she can't give out any pro tips right now because she's too busy not appearing in this issue. Or is she? After all, she is a Master of Disguise. Fran goes on to fill the Titans in on a bit of exposition about the details of the accident that killed her brother and father. Turns out Fran was driving the boys home from the mall when suddenly the car seemed to have a mind of its own. A suicidal mind of its own, as it turns out, which wrenched control from her and drove itself straight off a cliff. The protective guardrail twisted away from the vehicle as the mid-sized sedan of doom plummeted to the rocks below. Somehow, Fran seemed to float to safety as those around her died in a fiery explosion. Wow. Seems like that sort of thing might have come up during the weeks of extensive testing the Titans have been doing on you, but to be fair, given the Titans' communication skills, they probably just didn't ask. Kid Flash reacts as though Fran's story is the craziest thing he has ever heard. Really? Really? Wally, you travel through time by running on a treadmill on a semi-regular basis. You helped your friend Donna team up with a giant barbarian salamander to fight an enormous evil hypnotic cockroach who wanted to marry her. Evil demons once tried to kill you by making you drink way too much maple syrup. But metal objects behaving strangely around your buddy is the thing that strains your credulity. Yeah, okay. Speaking of metal acting strangely around Fran, seems like it's about time for another one of her episodes. Only this time, it's turned up to 11. That pink energy creature shows up again, looming over Fran in the entire Titan Tower like that demon from the Bald Mountain part of Fantasia. The power levels have increased exponentially and the entire city of New York seems to be literally coming apart at the seams. Vehicles are flying around everywhere and entire skyscrapers are being torn asunder. The Titans leap into action and do their best to try to minimize the damage, but it appears to be a futile effort. The horned pink crackling energy thing is strolling around the city like Godzilla, just generally wrecking shit and apparently having a grand old time. Things seem pretty crappy. But then Cyborg shows up, jams an anti-magnetic reverser that he just invented onto Fran's head, and fixes everything. The energy demon guy disappears, Fran wakes up, and everything generally just goes back to normal. Huh. I mean... Hooray and all, it just seems a little anticlimactic. Also, if it's an anti-magnetism reverser, wouldn't that make the magnets stronger? By reversing the anti-magnetism? Anyway, the next day, no longer potentially possessed by magnetic demons, Frances Kane thanks Wally for his help. She tells him that her mom disowned her, she's homeless, and she has no idea what's going on or what she's going to do. But she's got a generally positive attitude about the whole situation. Wally's like, Cool, bye, have fun, and watches her walk away. Really? You don't want to maybe mention the fact that you have an enormous T-shaped skyscraper she could crash at for a minute? No? Damn it, Wally. Then we get a little epilogue where we find out that the pink energy demon was actually Dr. Polaris, the DCU's D-minus version of Magneto. 
I guess a while ago his magnet powers got turned way the fuck up and Green Lantern jammed him into some kind of pocket dimension where he couldn't hurt anyone. Great job. Anyway, he's been trying to use Francis as a gateway to Dormammu his way back into our dimension and fuck everything up, but then Cyborg demagneted Francis's brain, and now Dr. Polaris is stuck here in this shitty dimension talking to himself like an idiot. Also dressing like an idiot, and doing everything else like an idiot. But it'd be hard to pin that shit on Cyborg. Man, I bet that anti-magnetic reverser thing fucked up all of Fran's credit cards. Inconvenient, especially if she's going on a road trip. Huh. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm feeling a little bit old because I woke up and my back hurt. Oh, you injured yourself in your sleep? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not a great feeling. No, it's terrible. Other fun ways to injure yourself? Hmm. Showering? Uh, sneezing. Sneezing, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sorry. Anywho, I got to read a fun comic. Yeah, you liked it? It was pretty good. I liked it too. It was a self-contained issue, which I liked. It moved along pretty easily. It advanced some elements of plot at the end, but at the same time was just a one-off story that was fairly concisely told and pretty good. I did feel like it was going somewhere and I felt though like the conclusion of it was, uh, I don't know, it wasn't quite like they woke up and it was all a dream. But I don't yeah, know, it it does it did sort of set up like all this stuff happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, where's this going? Did you think she was gonna get superpowers and join the team? Yeah, yeah, I kind of hoped so. Yeah, it really did seem like they were setting it up that she was getting superpowers, but nope, just shitty old Doctor Polaris fucking everything up again. And maybe we'll get into this, but so why did he kill her family? I think that was the byproduct of him taking over her brain slightly. I think just a bunch of magnetism shit kicked in. Oh, it was just like a tester. I think he was just like, yeah, probing and was just like, hey, here's a brain that has unusually high levels of magnetism in it. Because, you know, that's a thing. Sure. It was said with science words, ergo, totally a thing. Brain magnet. So he jumped in and was like, all right, let's, uh, let's take this baby out for a spin and see what my magnets can do. This, this is my interpretation. It's I don't think it was necessarily intentional that he killed her brother and father. I don't think he gave a shit that he killed her brother and father, though. I don't think so either. I mean, the guy's got to be kind of a jerk. Otherwise, Green Lantern wouldn't have locked him in Magnetland or wherever it is he is. Yeah, I think pretty much Magnetland. So Dr. Polaris is basically a D-minus DC knockoff of Magneto. He's got a cool hat, which I like. He's got like Galactus-y. a baby Galactus hat. You don't need a fucking magnet logo on your chest if you can do all that shit. Yeah, I know. I appreciate the understatement that Magneto employs in his garment choice. Right? <laughs> it's like, dude, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, he opts for that because branding. And yeah, I guess he had decided that he could make his magnet powers more powerful and that everything's connected through magnets. And so he was going to use his magnetness to take over the universe. And then Green Lantern was like, no, don't do that. And so then he was like, I'm going to absorb all of the magnetism that makes the universe work. And Green Lantern's like, no, don't do that. And then he somehow triggered Dr. Polaris into absorbing all of the magnets. And then it was too much magnets and he exploded and turned into little tiny magnets everywhere, I guess. Scattered throughout, like Dr. Light 
Mm. It's like, well, we can't have him kill people, so he'll just be atomically scattered. But probably he's fine wherever he is. Mm. Yeah. Boo. Agreed. Also, real dick bag. Fuck that guy. Big bag of dicks. Uh-huh. Yep. You got a doctor in front of your name and you're a villain in the DC universe. Chances are, I am not a fan. Nope. Polaris, light, um, that's probably all. Should have stuck to making those four-wheelers. He was making four-wheelers? Isn't that the brand of Polaris? Don't they? Isn't that a... I don't know. I think that's like they make like those like uh, four-wheeler off-road vehicles for people that like to drive them around in the woods. Well, I think it might be a trap by Dr. Polaris. Oh. If you're driving a Polaris brand Look out. four-wheeler, <laughs> fucking just keep your head on a swivel. There's a chance that those things are going to try to scatter your atoms across the universe and murder your family. Yep. So, you know, be on the lookout. Issue starts off with Wally doing some, like, old-school Wallying around, which I appreciated. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I like having super speed. I can sleep in late. I don't have to go to school until right before school starts. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, good. It's nice to see that Wally back, who doesn't view his super speed that he wished for his whole life until he got it as a terrible burden. Yeah, I feel like he's getting over Raven a little bit, too. He only made one little comment. Yeah, this issue. <laughs> that was that was still a little bit like, ooh. Yep. I just like her as a friend. You know what that's like, don't you, Raven? Zing. <laughs> Boom. Self-burn, kind of. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, although Wally also did some shit in this issue that I was like, really, dude? The main thing being his continued disbelief in the supernatural. <laughs> it's I, like i can't believe what i'm seeing but i'm seeing it <laughs> what is up dana scully yeah <laughs> the aliens have abducted you maybe they exist although that did answer a couple of questions that i had if wally is that diehard of a skeptic that he refuses to believe in the supernatural as even a possibility and he's like well i know she can't be being possessed that might explain why he keeps wanting to quit the team because that means that he's just on a team with a straight-up cat murderer oh. <laughs> and a bunch of dudes who convinced Grandpa Manning to kill a fucking four-year-old. Oh, yeah. He has dealt with elements of possession and it led to these horrific things. If he doesn't believe that there's possession, he must be terrified of Wonder Girl. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, man, she keeps strangling cats. I don't know what's going on. She says she's possessed, but as we all know, that's not a thing. Mm. Poor Wally. Poor Wally. I I feel like Robin has a much more sensible approach to the supernatural when Wally (laughs) says... Just to be like, ah, ah, ah. Well, yeah, A, yes, that is absolutely a sensible (laughs) reaction. But I was talking more when Wally's like, but what's happening is crazy. And uh, Robin just kind of like offhands is like, yeah, I kind of gave up on crazy the first time I met the Spectre. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, no shit. You've been at this superhero thing for a while, Wally. You have experienced the DC Universe firsthand. Maybe, just maybe, it's some of that shit that's going down. How could it be? Touche. Although maybe that is what uh, Fran likes about him. Because hmm. she also is like, I just don't understand. It must have been a dream. This is going to sound crazy to you. Mm-hmm. But these things happen. Yeah. Okay, I can see if you were talking to me, where you would say, this must have been a dream. It's crazy the magnetism started affecting things around me and then I hovered up. It must have been a dream. Okay, I want you to look who you're fucking talking to. 
You're talking to a guy with super speed. You're talking to an empath who can turn her soul self into a raven and astrally project and shit. You're talking to a green dude who got like some kind of monkey blood transfusion and now he's green and can shapeshift. Mm-hmm. You're talking to a half-man, half-robot who was turned into that when his dad opened a portal to another dimension. Mm -hmm. Like, these people have all experienced weird, crazy, magical shit, and it doesn't even occur to you that that might be what's going on in this situation. Despite the fact that you read all about that in People magazine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good point. I was also wondering, like, where's the Purple Ray? Why don't they just get that shit in there and take care of business? I I'd See, that's the problem with the Purple Ray. It's a panacea, just like, yeah, why don't they fly her to Thamascara? Take her to Paradise Island. She can just hang out there. It's not like her mom wouldn't sign the waivers or whatever. Her mom wants Satan to actively kill this girl. Man, I got a couple notes in there about Mrs. Kane being a real piece of work. She's a real ding-dong. Yeah, t- terrible, terrible person. Understandably yeah, she's traumatized. stricken by grief. She, she's Duken hard, but... That was a very scary movie. I didn't see it. It looked too scary. Oh, shouldn't have. Yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, shouldn't I, watch it. I'd get frightened. I'm not going to watch it. I had to stop and do the dishes in the middle of it. <laughs> I was home alone. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to turn some lights on. Oh, good good call. Whew. But yeah, I don't know why they didn't take her to to Paradise Island. I feel like that that should be their go-to way more often. They, they don't even have to worry about her accidentally wrecking the place if she sets foot on it. Because she's a lady. What do you mean? Well, I mean, like, when they brought Gar there, he's like, you have to stay on this table or you'll wreck the Otherwise, he'd wreck it, yeah. Yeah. No, she'd still wreck it if she got her magnet madness happening. Yeah, if she had magnet madness. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that the Purple Ray would have actually cured this situation because it isn't really a disease that she was suffering from. Ooh, what if she had gotten the magnet attack when she was getting Purple Ray and destroyed the Purple Ray? Oh, man. Maybe that's why they didn't bring her there. There'd been some pissed off Amazon. Plus, maybe there was a part of them that was just like, I don't know, man. Mrs. Kane might have a point. Maybe this is Satan. Mm. We don't want to bring a evil Satan lady to, to Purple Ray City. Yeah. No, Paradise Island and Satan ladies don't mix. No way. Nope. So the other thing about Wally in this issue... Is that he mentions casually that, yeah, I used to dye my hair to change its color so that it wasn't red. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is them trying to explain away his previous appearance as not being red-haired. Mm-hmm. At least in the Teen Titans issues. I am not familiar, for the most part, with his appearances in The Flash. Which is something that I seek to rectify at some point. But it did bring up the fact that all of the Teen Titans are terrible at secret identities. I have a note in my notes. That is from that page where he's talking about that, and I just wrote Master of Disguise. (laughs) Yeah, he's a regular Coriander, which comes up when Francine is like, yeah, of course I know you're Kid Flash. I know, he's like, what? What? (laughs) I think everybody knows all of their secret identities. I am amazed that Beast Boy doesn't still wear his tiny mask and think that it's an adequate disguise. Yeah. He's he's the most mature in his approach to the secret identity biz, which is just like, yeah, dude, that's not going to work. I'm green. I'm a famous actor. And he still wears, isn't his uniform the, from his acting show? Yeah. Yeah, that's he's just like all in. Yeah, it's like, hey, I got this free uniform. I know I'm a billionaire and all, but hey, these costumes don't grow on trees. Free duds. 
Do you know how much the Star Trek uniforms that they wear in Star Trek The Next Generation cost? No. Each one of them is like $3,000. To buy as a collector? No. Like, to make them for the actor in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Mm, you that's... can make that noise all you want, but that is what they cost to make those Star Trek The Next Generation hand-tailored suits, man. I'm in the wrong business. Be someone spandex Star Trek suits instead. Corey, I've been telling you that for years. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't listen. <laughs> I know. I probably missed my window. Nah, they're, they're coming out with a new series. Oh. So, you know, I'm just saying, Gar gets a $3,000 suit. Fuck, I'd wear that thing everywhere, too. Hey, that's, you know, the secret of uh, how you stay a bazillionaire. How you stay a... Yeah, that's, that is the secret of how you stay a bazillionaire. Don't spend money on stupid no. things. No. Um, <laughs> just like a Warren Buffett's big thing. <laughs> Yep. Seven tips of successful people. I, I skimmed the book. I didn't read it cover to cover, but I got the general impression that most of it focuses on you got one nice free suit, wear it all the time. Mm-hmm. That's step one. Yep. Then blah, blah, blah. Step three. Let people talk about themselves. Yep. Yep. Everybody's favorite sound is the sound of their own name. So say their name a lot. Mm-hmm. And... Which is actually... Kind of bullshit. Have you had one of those phone help people or just a random person use your name like it way too much? It creeps me out. It creeps me out every time. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. like that. No. I, I don't like strangers knowing my name and talking to me like they're not a stranger. Well, the good thing is probably nobody that you don't know that well, at least that's in like a sales position or whatever. Right, they going call me Hub. Nathan or Nathaniel. Right? Yeah. I have had a number of employers... Try to make checks out to Hub Hubbard. <laughs> As though I were some kind of a TV weatherman or something. That's almost a shame that that's not your legal name. I, you might want to look into that. Maybe I will. Alliteration is nice. There was, I realize I'm focusing on Wally, but most of this issue did focus on Wally. He had a phrase that really cracked me up. It was when he was helping Francine not get hit by a bunch of shit that was flying around. Because she, her magnet powers were going crazy. Right. And he said, I'd be better off helping Fran than playing the human bat. Now, given what we have learned about Wally in this issue, I am surprised that he did not follow that up by saying, human bat, like some kind of a bat man, if such a thing existed. Oh. I wonder if his skepticism is of such a degree that he does not believe in the Gotham Batman. If he thinks that it is just a superstition that the criminals believe in and that it is not real. And if Robin is trying to convince him, like, dude, you, you met the guy. We've worked with him. He's like, no, there's no such thing as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he faced it. As if I'm some kind of human bat. That's a, that's a complex thought. I choose to believe that Wally does not believe that Batman exists, despite having worked with him innumerable times. He's a very skeptical lad. He really is. Skeptical to the point of idiocy. <laughs> I don't know if he could say Batman doesn't exist. I don't know how he says that possession doesn't exist, given what he's witnessed. You remember when he tried to chug that syrup, and then he almost drowned in a room full of syrup? <laughs> how could I forget? How can he forget? <laughs> Touche. Yeah. So, what do you think that uh, People Magazine profile of the team looked like? Uh, pretty cool, probably. Pretty cool? You think it was just like kind of a puff piece? Yeah. Like tore around the Titan Tower? Mm-hmm. 
A lot of poolside shots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think in the DC Universe, since People Magazine exists? Who is on their 50 Most Beautiful? Is it just like a tie for everybody in the DC Universe? <laughs> like, because they've all been drawn by George Perez, and they're all stunningly gorgeous. Is it just like every year it's like, once again... It is a six billion way tie for the most beautiful person. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, they probably have some other factors that decide things. Like, I don't know, Mr. Jupiter's probably been on there just because he's so rich. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Starfire, perhaps because of her illustrious modeling career. Do you think she's in as Starfire or as Corey Anders, the model? Oh, shit. Do well, you think there's any chance that maybe there's a double-page spread <laughs> yeah. where she's on one? And then it's like, well, bright orange women are very hot this year. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, as long as she keeps those shades on. so Yeah, so that no one can, can penetrate her secret identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty close to what the, uh, the DC People Magazine 50 Most Beautiful People spread is. Mm-hmm. I bet she is two of the top ten. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. All right. There was one thing that you may be able to explain to me, and it was on page 13. There's a little kind of caption in the bottom corner that says, and Raven cries, but I don't get what they're referring to. Yeah, it is unclear. We're seeing Frances Kane crying because her mom is such a bitch. Like her mom has literally just said, Don't you see? They want her because she didn't die with them. They want her. Satan wants her. This is useless. I'm done with you, Francis Kane. You're no longer my daughter. I wash my hands of you now and forever. And Francis is like, what the fuck, mom? My brother and dad just died while I watched and now you're the worst bitch in the universe. And she is crying and tears are streaking down her face. And yeah, the caption just says, and Raven cries. Now, is it because she's just empathizing or... That was my guess. but I'm assuming that is the case. It seems like it kind of has to be. Because, yeah, we cut right from that to two days later when she's getting a bunch of tests done on her. I would just assume it's Raven Raven just picking up background empathy. But I don't know why they decided to highlight that in the way that they did. Okay, just making sure I didn't miss anything. Not that I'm aware of, at least not there. Or if you did, I missed it too. Fair. Well, we're a little bit ahead of schedule, but are you ready to get into the minutiae? Yes. All right. I would also like to say that that podcast juice is excellent. Thank you. And if anybody from the Bullet Company is listening, I'll keep saying that. (laughs) If you send us some booze. Yeah. This is all you get for free Bullet Bourbon. But... (sighs) Bullet Bourbon 10-Year Aged Frontier Whiskey. It's good. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) That's Corey with the stunning catchphrase. See, this is why you should have gotten into advertising. Yeah, well, I was too busy trying to make those damn Star Trek suits. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize you tried and failed. Well. I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have pushed you so hard. It's okay. Well, Rick, would you mind singing us into the minutia? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thank you so much, Rick. Indeed. Okay, sartorially speaking, what fashion... Did you wish to comment on in this issue? I had a couple. As did I. I'm going to go with what I dubbed the pentagram boob suit. Pentagram boob suit? Very interesting. Why is it a boob suit? Because it's the, well, it's the red ceremonial cloak. Oh, that it has pentagrams over the boobs. Yep. Did you notice anything else about those pentagrams? 
They had Omegas in them? They had a tiny... I, th- I just thought it was a tiny magnet that was in them. Oh. Like, she was practicing some kind of specifically magnet-based Satanism. Hmm. It's a weird choice, and I... It's a weird choices all around by Mrs. Kane. Mm-hmm. I understand that she is grief-stricken, but that she specifically initially turns to Satan for this. Like, for all of her shit. They don't ever specify that, do they? She says Satan all the goddamn time. Well, she thinks that her daughter is... Satan, is, and she is... begs for Satan to take her. Yeah. Um, she thinks that her daughter's in league with Satan. She's wearing the... She's sitting in the pentagram and saying pentagram stuff as she's having her seance. But they don't make it explicit that she's worshipping the devil, do they? I, I don't know, man. Maybe not. I think she's at least got to have a somewhat complicated relationship with Satan because she's cursing her daughter for being what she thinks is in league with Satan as she's wearing the pentagram robes and doing her chants. I don't know. I may, Maybe my, my brain just went Satan. I've seen too many metal album covers. That made me think of Possessed to Skate. I'm not familiar. What's that? It's a suicidal tendencies uh, song. Oh. Uh, the, the single had like the pentagram with the... Something, skateboards, things. I don't remember. I thought it was cool. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I know the Motley Crue Theater of Pain poster that I had, that I got from you. Mm-hmm. That was a black velvet poster. The comedy and tragedy masks that were crying tears of blood in that had little pentagrams on them. Yeah, there was so much deep symbolism in that poster. Corey, that poster scared the shit out of me. I had it on my wall for many years because I didn't want to admit that it scared the shit out of me. But it scared the shit out of me. I was trying to help you. I just wanted you to think I was cool. I think you're cool now. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. That poster would still scare the shit out of me. Ah oh, man, you should see that baby lit up under black light. No, I don't think I should. Pretty cool. Yeah, I'd get frightened. So, sartorially speaking, the, one of the other things that I wanted to comment on was Miss Kane the Younger's costume at the end, where, because she's about to hit the road... She dons the DC Universal Incognito costume of a trench coat. And it looks really good on her. Yeah, classy. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. So my backup, sartorially speaking, Yes? Is the doctor on page 10. Oh, not Dr. Polaris. No, the lady. Interesting. Doctor. On page 10, let's take a look. Because she reminds me of my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Donahue. Oh, yeah? Did she dress like that? Did she wear a lab coat all the time? Not the lab coat, but the under the lab coat is like a maybe a polo shirt that's either an orange or like a salmon color. Mm-hmm. Pretty and, wide collar. And then these like kind of tight green checkered bell-bottom-ish pants. Oh, yeah. Right you are. Mm-hmm. And then the short hair with the glasses. Mm-hmm. Short curly hair, glasses. Yeah. Yep. That's interesting. That was the fourth grade math teacher look. Oh, totally. So she's saying something interesting, too, where she's saying that Francis is highly anemic. Lack Does, of iron. Why would that be a thing? Wouldn't she be like... Magnets. Reverse her, anemic? Because she has so much iron in her? Her brain absorbed all the iron. But then it would have more. And took it out of her bloodstream. Really? You think that's what happened? I'm pretty sure those are all science words, buddy. Touché. Well played, sir. Thank you. <sighs> Bullet <laughs> bourbon. What's your catchphrase again? It's good! (laughs) I just remembered what it's good is a reference to. That was what your grandpa said when he was chastised for having drunk straight gravy. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, very nice. (laughs) 
Let's take it to the Bozone. Bozone. Taking it to the Bozone. Who was your favorite instance in this issue of one character calling another character a Bozo? Metaphorically, as there were, once again, no literal Bozos in this issue. (sighs) Yeah, I couldn't find any literal Bozos, and I also couldn't find any... Things that I thought were, like, you know, lighthearted and funny banter-type insults that we normally get. See, I I had to kind of... I, I cobbled two together from one that was a, a definitely a more harsh bozo and one that was light to the point that it was almost not an insult. So I figured between those I got one good bozo, but yeah, I agree with you. I think you did better because I went pretty dark on this one. Okay, what you got for the dark one? This is actually, it's just really more of an awful threat (laughs) than it is an insult. Okay. And it is Mrs. Kane telling her daughter, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Yes. I was like, damn. That is, at the time, the most sinister reading of a Bill Cosby quote (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah, I also went with a Mrs. Kane zinger. (laughs) And when, yeah, when she was saying that, to be clear, she was holding a scalpel in her hand and trying to kill her daughter. Yeah, creepy as shit. Yeah. I went with this lighthearted little zinger. The devil himself is rising right out of her. He's coming to claim his own evil kind. Take her, Satan. Take her and kill her. Zing. (laughs) Okay, I don't feel so bad. But the other one that I had, which is barely an insult, is when... The Titans are cleaning up the rubble, and Wonder Girl is doing all of the heavy lifting because, well, she's Wonder Girl. Mm -hmm. And Beast Boy is sitting there, and he says, uh, Yuck, this place is a mess. Maybe we ought to hold a garage sale. Still, there is a bright side to all this. And Wonder Girl goes, Yeah, you're letting me do all the work. I think that's kind of, like like I said, it's not quite an insult, but she's basically calling him lazy there. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you take... The not quite an insult with the take her, Satan, take her and kill her. (laughs) And if you combine those, meet them in the middle, Uh you get the mean and the median of those, then uh, you get yourself a pretty good singer. Classic bozo. (laughs) Classic bozo. All right. (laughs) You tried. I did. You tried hard. I I tried hard. I did my best. (laughs) Let's go to favorite panel because that actually segues into what I just discussed. Okay. Donna's basically telling Beast Boy, hey, I'm doing all the heavy lifting here. What the fuck? The reason you're doing all the heavy lifting is because Beast Boy is not in a position to help you out even if he wanted to, because he spent a ton of time changed into an enormous Tyrannosaurus Rex Mm -hmm. and stated explicitly that he was not going to be able to transform into anything else for quite some time. It took a lot of work. And he also had a bad time of being a T-Rex. <laughs> he really did. So my two favorite <laughs> panels in this are ones that I call Boat Catch and Prelude to a Boat Catch. And it is him as a giant Tyrannosaurus Rex taking an ocean liner to the face. <laughs> and it is terrific. It is such a weird, goofy-looking thing. And it was just like, whoa, how big is he? And also, how big is that boat? The one that I call prelude to a boat catch is just a close-up on his eye. And he is saying, the pain of keeping this form is terrible. I need a break. Need some time to... Oh, no. Oh, nuts. (laughs) (laughs) 
But there's this tight focus on his eye while he is a Tyrannosaurus Rex in that that is just beautifully drawn. And like I said, broken record, this whole issue is beautifully drawn. Indeed. Really, really nicely done. Gorgeous Perez art. And then he catches an ocean liner to the face. And I love it. And well, I had the same panel. I yeah. called it Dino Boat. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a backup? Or? I did. I had, I had one backup that was less of a funny one, but also just super well drawn. And it's on page 11. And I called it Freak Out. And it's the one oh, where yeah. she's freaking out. Her face is also kind of superimposed over the main panel. And that's the one where her mom told the told Satan to... to take her and kill her. Mm-hmm. It's also, I believe, the first appearance we see of the magnetic force that is possessing her, which we learn later is Dr. Polaris. He's like crackling pink energy and his general form is made out of what just looks like different sized pebble ice. It's really cool looking. And really gets the point across and is a really nice, and at this point, I don't think I had seen a ton of otherworldly creatures drawn that way. And it's really innovative, and, and I like that a lot. It is also, you see the little horns on his head, which looks a little bit demonic, but as he gets stronger, the form looks more and more, and as they mentioned magnetism more and more, I was like, oh shit, that's Dr. Polaris. Mm. And I hadn't known that Dr. Polaris had been turned into atoms and scattered across the universe or whatever, but really cool looking. Seems like a ton of work. It really does. Everybody involved. Yeah, but honestly, worth it. Every one of these issues seems like a ton of work for everybody involved. There is so much fine background detail on every panel. It's really tremendous. I agree. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hit up sound effects next? Sure. All right, we don't have a ton to choose from. There were, I believe, two sound effects in this entire issue. Oh, I wonder if we got the same one. Well, I would assume so, because one of them is when Beast Boy catches the boat, it makes a tiny thud. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's fine. Wish it had been a plow. Oh, man. Wish we had a few more plows up in there. But I decided to go with Scrack. That's with nine Ks. It's a lot of Ks. And it's broken up after Scrack with two Ks. I guess three if you count the initial one for the sk sound. Mm. Then the second one is just seven Ks in a row. And mm-hmm. it's broken up and Francine's in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Granted, there were only two to choose from and it's definitely more interesting than Thud. But even without that, it's a pretty cool sound effect. And it makes you kind of wonder what they're going for and kind of like puzzle it out yourself. And I, I enjoyed that. I read it as a like a heavy duty electrical current. Yeah. Like, Arcing wires thing. Right, like making a crackling noise, kind mm-hmm. of, with all of the k mm-hmm. Like, I get all that those harsh fricatives right in a row there. You're in for a sound town, man. Oh, yeah, fricative city. <laughs> That's the original draft of Suffragettes. David Bowie. Likes his instead of wham, bam, thank you, man, it was... Thank you, man. Well, dear listeners, this is Hub. And as you probably noticed, I done fucked up again, and once again, confused my fricatives with my plosives. If this makes this podcast unlistenable to you, I fully understand. We've got almost a hundred others you can enjoy. And once again, I am so sorry. K is clearly a plosive and not a fricative. I'm so sorry. 
We now return you to the rest of the podcast. I sincerely hope you're able to at least try to enjoy it. Um, all right. What, what do you feel like hitting up next? Uh, let's try a show and tell. Okay. What was your show and tell moment in this issue? Uh, what action that was depicted was made redundant by the dialogue or captioning? Yeah, there was there was a couple. The one that I went with, it was actually more so. Yeah, it was the captioning, the, much more so than the dialogue. But it was basically Wally like explaining his whole deal about like this is why I have red hair now, and <laughs> you know don't worry about it, guys. It's cool. Blah blah blah. Let's hear it. So yeah, it's we talked about how he was. Um, kind of wallying around, as you put sure. it, and, you know, happy to sleep in and be late for school and run to school and, like, change there and get ready. And he's explaining how he did all this to us. He's rushing out of the locker room, changed into his, his normal kid clothes, and he is saying, My costume zips back into my special ring and suddenly I'm me again. I used to dye my hair brown when I became Kid Flash, but I was never too happy with that. Besides, I hardly ever use my super speed in Blue Valley anymore, so nobody's likely to associate redheaded Wally West with the fastest teen on Earth. Yeah, except everybody does. Mm-hmm. Master of disguise. <laughs> yes, quite. I think that's a decent example of that. I went with also a character needlessly soliloquizing. I went with the whole end-of-the-book Dr. Polaris talking to himself and explaining exactly what has just happened exposition. I... I was so very close. I had found that girl. Found that her brain contained excessive magnetic waves. Waves I could control. To bring me out of this dimension Green Lantern banished me to. But because of those titans, I've failed. Failed. Blast them all. I am Dr. Polaris, the master of magnetism. The most powerful being who has ever lived, Dr. Polaris. Still scattered through this magnetic dimension, Dr. Polaris. <laughs> Defeated yet again, Dr. Polaris. <laughs> ah, I was so close to escaping. But I will. Someday. Someday I will. Yeah. Sincerely, Dr. Polaris. <laughs> Sincerely. So speaks Dr. Polaris. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was my example of... It's a little bit of a stretch of the show and tell, but it is such unnecessary exposition that was just like, well, I guess here's a way to shoehorn in. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just have him say that and introduce himself many times. <laughs> in this issue, as in every issue of a Teen Titans comic, there is an Aqualad. The greatest of Teen Titans. And there is also a Speedy. The worst of Teen Titans. In this issue, who is your Aqualad? This is actually kind of a tough one. Yeah. A lot of the team acquitted themselves swimmingly. Agreed. As it were. Quite. Uh, that was, you're very proud of yourself for the Aqualad swimmingly pun, aren't you? I am. Excellent. I'm smiling ear to ear. I'm going to go with the guy, though, who ultimately saved the day after getting what are some ostensibly pretty invasive... Uh, modifications to his kit. I think that's a good choice. And that's Borgie. Yeah, I think Cyborg did a great job. I like that he mentioned my dad studied magnetism. <laughs> I'll, I'll go look at his notes. Yeah, pick that old chestnut up. I, I like thinking that like he basically just had a notebook that was like, how do I get to another dimension? Magnets? Mm -hmm. Question mark, question mark. Underline. Yeah, circle. Mm -hmm. and then eventually X out. Mm-hmm. Cyborg saved the day. He also underwent some fairly invasive surgeries, I would imagine. Although, I guess he's kind of used to that. He oh, no. also, the way that he saved the day, it's so matter-of-fact. He's like, oh, I invented a day-saving device that turns off the magnetism in somebody's brain, which doesn't hurt them at all. It's like, oh, okay. You made a device that does the opposite of what's happening. 
good job. Mm-hmm. Kind of lazy writing, but good job. And yeah, the cyborg totally saved the day. And in addition to that, underwent the trauma of being the only person who was affected, or was certainly the most affected, by Francis and her, turns out, not satanic freakouts. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, I agree that he did the best job. I am giving a strong honorable mention to the boat-catching phenom himself, Beast Boy. <laughs> not only did he catch that boat... He also found a no littering sign that cracked Wonder Girl up. And catch is a euphemism also, though, for like... <laughs> he stopped a boat from hitting anything other than himself. I really caught that punch. He, he did. Right in the face. Yeah. I thought he did. He's got little T-Rex arms. How's he going to catch a boat with that? I'm just saying. It's a funny choice of words. Well, caught a boat right in the face. Yeah. Well, it looked like he kind of caught it in the chest, but it did knock his head back. So I, I'm going to call it a, a boat shot to the face. All right. But they, there's some room for interpretation there. So yeah, he, he was my backup. Was Who was your primary? Oh, I agree with alcohol. you that it is Cyborg. Oh, oh, I see. I see. Yes. Yeah, I had a backup too, which was Raven. Oh, okay. I know I kind of bag on her for being such a downer so much of the sure, time. But sure, sure. I felt like she did a good job. She stopped a lot of uh, furniture and appliances from hitting people. Yeah, she turned into a big bird-shaped doorway and uh, Res- had a bunch of refrigerators. And, rescued Cyborg. And stoves fly into her. And yeah, she rescued Cyborg and she protected Francie, Francis, who I keep wanting to call Francine. Uh, she rescued Francis and her terrible, terrible mother mm-hmm. from getting... Killed by flying appliances. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, pretty good job. Good show. Yeah. We'll never know what Cyborg experienced whilst inside her spirit self, but when he came out, he was like, I never want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. I guess it kind of sucks in there. Mm-hmm. That's the general impression that I get. Yep. And Raven seems somewhat oblivious to the fact that it sucks so bad in there. I saved you. <laughs> Oh, you're giving her a bit of the Steve Strange touch. I guess I did. I was trying to go for the ghosty, but I lost it a little bit. Conversely, who was your speedy in this issue? Well, I'm. I just went good old, good old short pants himself. What? I what know. did he do? I just felt like, and perhaps it was the way that he was drawn a lot in this issue with great surprise. But I just got this impression of him through the whole issue. He was just like wide-eyed with terror, <laughs> just being like, "Ah, what's happening? Oh no!" I actually liked him in this, and, and a lot of that I am chalking up to his, yeah, I gave up on describing things as crazy or implausible. First day I met the Spectre. It's, this is the world we live in. I'm buttoning down and getting used to it. Good for you, Robin. Unlike the character who I had as my speedy, which is Kid Flash. Oh, really? He does a terrible job disguising himself. <laughs> You're going to ding him He for is that? skeptical for the, to the point of idiocy. That is true. Um, completely forgetting that he has dealt with demonic possession on multiple occasions. And I'm going to read you a little quote from the end of the comic book. When Frances is wearing her trench coat and about to become a teenage runaway. She discusses earlier that she used to have a crush on Wally. Mm-hmm. Wally, thank you for everything. I think I'm falling in love with you all over again. What are you going to do now, Fran? Where are you going? I don't know, Wally, but I'll survive. I'm alive. I'm alive, and I'll do just fine. And he just goes, I think you will, Fran. I'm sure you will. This is a horrifically traumatized good friend of yours who saw her father and her brother die in front of her, which she was, to a certain extent, a conduit to. A couple months ago, maybe, tops. Mm -hmm. 
Her mother has just disowned her and tried to stab her and said that she hopes that Satan is going to claim her. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, where are you going? She's like, I don't know. don't really have any place to go, but I'll be okay. And he's like, you sure will. Bye. Yeah, good point. Fuck that, man. Mm. Bad job, Wally. You're being a bad pal. Oh, maybe he just took it at face value. I think he kind of did, but it's it still, that's a rough move. Also, she was like, I think I love you again. He was like, yeah, that's cool. I can see why. I'm pretty great. Have fun. Bye. <laughs> I have a very complicated relationship with a lady who tried to manipulate my emotions and make me fall in love with her. And then we had a long talk and she said that she doesn't not love me, but she doesn't want to date anybody. So I've got a pretty good thing going. Mm-hmm. Have a good one, Fran. Yeah, good point. I, I didn't uh, realize how callous that, that could be and just overconfident too earlier on in the issue when he's like hey why don't we go over to your house and study and she's like uh yeah my mom's having some shit maybe we shouldn't and he's like don't worry i'll i'll handle your mom it's like whoa dude he's like yeah i know you've experienced some real traumatic shit recently but uh i'll turn on the old west charm and uh she'll be fine well, I was man of the house for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Um, I handled myself pretty well carving a turkey a couple of months ago, so mm-hmm. I got this shit. Don't worry, Fran. You did a bad job, Wally. You did a bad job, and at the end of the day, and this is not something I would say about Wally in general, you were a bad friend. Ooh, harsh. Yeah. Harsh, but true. All right. Well, that's best and worst. That is best. That is worst. Which brings us to the end of our minutia, with the exception of, thanks to our generous Patreon donors, we have brought back the beloved segment. What's Aqualad probably up to? Mm. Corey, in March of 1982, what is Aqualad probably up to? Well, for most of the months, he was just really enjoying himself. Yeah? How How was he enjoying himself? Well, the thing is, something pretty shitty happened at the end of that month. Yeah. And that's that the Doobie Brothers broke up. I know. And uh, when that happened, Aqualad took it pretty hard, the poor lad. He was a big fan of the Doobies. I can understand. Which era of the Doobie Brothers did he enjoy the most? Did he like the Michael McDonald stuff, or did he like their earlier, harder rockin' stuff? You know, he's just is like an easygoing, whatever's on kind of guy. But the okay. way that, that he dealt with this was by going and sneaking some booze. Ooh. Yep. And uh, playing Daughters of the Sea on repeat. <laughs> Just being sad. <laughs> is that a Doobie Brothers song? Yes, it is. It, it is what I'm unfamiliar with. That is delightful. <laughs> that is how he spent March of 1982. Just like the last week. <laughs> okay. The last day of it. They broke up on the 31st, I believe. It was a stretch, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's Early fair. April, though. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. How he spent most of the rest of the month, though, well, that's a tale in and of itself, Corey. Hmm. You see, at first you're right. He was really enjoying himself because a little show called TJ Hooker debuted. <laughs> I didn't go for this. And he got super into that show. He got really excited when he was watching it, and he realized halfway through watching an episode of TJ Hooker that his hour was almost up. He needed some water. Oh, shit. So he's like, hey, Beaky. How about you go get me some agua? And Beaky, unfortunately, very literal, flew over, 
to the local convenience store. And this convenience store happened to be in Connecticut. And the drinking age was still 19 in 1982. Okay. Beaky's only 19 years old. Good to know. In Pelican years. Oh, it's it's, Um, it's pretty old for a Pelican. And and, and he said, Agua! Because he can talk a little bit. Okay. Like a parrot style. He's like, Agua! Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, (sighs) Connecticut strikes again. Oh, God. The uh, convenience store owner figures that uh, I need a little more... uh, a little more loot out of this pelican. If I sell him Agua de Bolivia, A-G-W-A, which is a pretty potent liquor. Oh, shit. So Beaky, he doesn't know any different. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand our conventions of, of, of human money. Mm-hmm. He gives the gold pieces that uh, Aqualad gave him that he'd scrounged off the ocean mm-hmm. floor. Mm-hmm. Pays for that agua. Again, this is Agua de Bolivia. Mm. Powerful liquor. Mm. Scoops it back, dumps it on Aqualad to save him. Aqualad gets his swerve on. Oh. And he is so juiced up from watching TJ Hooker, he decides, hey man, I'm gonna do like they do with TJ Hooker. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know how he jumps, jumps on the hood of cars? Uh huh. I'm gonna jump on the hood of this submarine. <laughs> <laughs> and he jumps onto the hood of this submarine. Uh huh called the Jacksonville uh-huh. and was off the coast of Virginia and starts just like TJ hookering around on the top of this submarine. The submarine doesn't know what's happening and it starts swerving this way and that trying to avoid the sea strength and limbs of this marine team. Mm. Runs smack dab into a Turkish freighter. Big old accident. Oh shit. Yeah. And at this point my map, until I know you had included it, I just had these pictures of that incident on the wall and then these yarn strings tying it to doobie brothers breakup question mark question mark (laughs) circle how how did that lead to the doobie brothers breaking up but you're right i i think aqualad was probably traumatized more by the event of the doobie brothers breaking up rather than causing it but that was what Aqualad <laughs> was probably up to. Oh, poor guy. Rough, I know. Rough end of the month. Well, he's got to learn to stop trusting Beaky. Really? I mean, Beaky's doing his best, but... He's just a bird. Yeah. A special he, bird. But... Yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying trust but verify, maybe. Like, you send him out for water. And this is the second time, because when he was in France and mm. Aqualad was responsible for the death of Jim Morrison. That's right. It was because Beaky brought him a bunch of wine because mm-hmm. he was in France. Mm-hmm. Now. It's a fun bird. He, I, no, Beaky knows how to party. Yeah. But maybe he brings you back some, quote, water, unquote, or some, quote, agua, unquote. Maybe take a little sip before you start swimming in that shit. Tough lesson. One I think we would all benefit from. Take a sip before you swim. Exactly. Unless you're like at a river. Right. Yeah. No. You don't. Can, don't get drink GR, or yeah. the ocean. Oh yeah. You're gonna drink salt that salt water. You're gonna think of manatees a mermaid. Take. A, <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Yeah, I, I'm saying it happened. Not to me. <laughs> happened to pirates back in the day all the time. Oh. They were just. That's gross. Hey, a lot of pirate life was pretty gross. Yeah, I don't want to be one. Yeah. No, they're they're a bunch of assholes. Mm. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us, dear listeners. <laughs> Even if you are pirates, some of you. Yeah. If you're ice pirates, I'll allow it. Oh, that was 
I loved that movie. I suspect it doesn't hold up very well. Yeah, we should verify. Yes. Trust that Ice Pirates has not held up very well, but also verify. verify. You're right. Thank you so much for listening, dear listeners. Delighted to have you aboard, and thank you again for joining us. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at ttwasteland underscore. Uh, We're up in iTunes and all of those services like that, which, if you would not mind leaving us some five-star reviews, well, golly, I'd appreciate that. On June 18th, which I believe is Father's Day, I am going to be appearing on the Smash Fiction podcast, where I will be representing Team Namor in a debate of Namor versus Aquaman. So if you have strong thoughts on that, listen in. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. We have not recorded yet, and hopefully it goes well. We'll see. Maybe I will say some terrible things. Oh, geez. Maybe I should wait until uh, until I, after I record this to edit this one. That's not my way. Veto! <laughs> oh, well, Corey just vetoed that. So I guess I'm going to have to promote it, and, well, you're going to have to listen to it. Regardless of whether you listen to that episode, you should listen to Smash Fiction. It's a really good podcast. Uh, when I was asked to appear on it, I was all prepared to pretend I liked it. I actually really liked it. It's really well done, and uh, you should check it out. I think that's that. Thank you very much. Take a sip before you swim. <sighs> oh, that's good. It's good! <laughs> that's true. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. And they knew it. Batman in the K-9 Caper. At Gotham Arena, today's Kennel Club Dog Show. From outside, it appears the Gotham Dog Show is running normally. But inside... The dogs are running wild. Spike! Here, boy! Come back, poopsie! My ultrasonic dog whistle has every pedigreed pooch in the place following me. Once I got them where I want them, the owners will pay me a mid to get their precious pets back. The show will be a doggone disaster unless I can stop K-9. With these hostess Twinkies cakes. You don't look like the type of dog who wants a bone, K-9. Munch on these. Rolf! Twinkies cakes? I can't resist that light golden sponge cake and the luscious creamed filling. Just like the dogs couldn't resist your whistle. Which I have now. (laughs) Great work, Batman. You saved the show. Just don't ask me to run for dog catcher, Commissioner. I wouldn't dream of it, but a stupid request that would be. Yeah. You get a big big delight in every bite of Hostess Twinkies Cakes. Uh, you're gonna have to edit that one. Yeah, we'll see. Or not. Are you spending a veto? No. Ah. Uh. I like eating farts, and my name is Corey. With me, the fart eatingest man in town. I am Corey. America's Songbird. That's me. <laughs> Oh, shit. Uh. <laughs>